Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by our Director of Media and Worship, Susan Alloway. So, I love these stories just for their face value. We have two women who find a clever way to save newborns sentenced to death without getting themselves killed. And we have a little girl whose quick thinking not only rescues her baby brother, but also enables her mother to get paid to keep the boy alive when the law said that he should die. Those are pretty, pretty cool stories. Then looking wider at the context, the stories become even more astonishing because these clever people were both slaves and female making them pretty low in the ranks of respect, admiration, and authority in their culture. And yet, they're the heroes and the victors here. And if we look even wider, if we zoom out as far as our lens can go, we get to what I want to talk about today, which is the concept of law and how it affects the human heart. I jokingly titled this sermon, God Loves Liars, <laughs> but to steal a Gary and Scottyism, if you remember only one thing from this message, let it be this. Law exists to protect the heart, not the other way around. Much later in the book of Exodus, spoiler alert, Moses survives and he leads the Hebrew people to freedom. And God gives this slave nation the law, the Ten Commandments and others, to help them learn not to have a slave culture anymore. To a people who had been oppressed and abused for generations, concepts like keeping a day of rest, not taking or wishing you had other people's stuff, not killing people who harm you, and always telling the truth, had not been standard in their culture for a while. But for us in church in the US in 2024, with all the history and the culture and the Christendom that has happened between Exodus and now, those concepts are well known and assumed, even if they are still a little bit difficult to keep on occasion today. So for us, when we look back at the midwives and at Moses' savvy big sister, we get a little squirmy when it says that God blesses the midwives for lying to Pharaoh. We know, or at least I do, we know that murdering the newborn boys would have been a heinous evil, and God blessed the midwives for not doing it. But how do we deal with the fact that they broke one of God's laws, lying and deception, in order to avoid breaking another one, murder? During World War II, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian and pastor, wrestled with this exact question being conflicted over whether it was right or not to conspire to assassinate Adolf Hitler 
in order to keep him from murdering millions of Jews. That's a really hard conundrum. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, sin is sin. And I'm not a fan of ranking sins. It affects how I treat other people when I believe that murder is worse than lying, or lying is worse than forgetting the Sabbath. But I'm also not a fan of the idea that Jesus was brutally hung on a cross because I snuck a piece of candy before dinner when I was five. It's not that that's not true, because it is, like sin is sin. It just feels like it misses the point, and here's why. Because the law exists to protect the heart, not the other way around. So is it okay to murder if it's the bad guy? I feel like I talk to Augie about this all the time. <laughs> if it's Hitler or someone breaking into your house to try and kill you, is that okay? Is it that, as Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything under the sun? Are things really okay in some situations and not okay in others? If we say yes, whew, that sounds like a slippery slope. We can murder this person. Why can't we euthanize the demented or the infirm? But if we say no, we leave absolutely no room for nuance. It was a school shooter. I was being raped. Let's look back at the purpose of laws for a second. Laws are written to protect people and the things that people value. Even today, new laws are written all the time. But laws have the ability to be changed. Why? Because sometimes, despite good intentions, in practice, laws turn out to create or enable unintended injustices. I'll give you an example. In the law of Moses, people, were, people who were caught in adultery were supposed to be stoned to death. The point of having that harsh of a judgment was to dissuade people from doing it in the first place, because it causes so much social and relational harm. Broken families, lack of trust, abandoned wives forced into prostitution, un unwanted children growing up unloved and abused, causing more cycles of abuse. Let's just avoid all that. So if we fast forward to Jesus' day, when the teachers of the law drag a half-naked woman into the street who was just caught in adultery, that's great. They want Jesus to say, stone her, or fail to keep the laws of Moses so that they can reject him as a leader. But let's think about this. How do you catch someone in the act of adultery? You'd have to know that it was happening, right? You'd have to know where it was happening. And if you knew both of those things as a teacher of the law, or just a good person, wouldn't you try to prevent it, to talk them out of it? 
And why didn't the guy get dragged out into the street, too? That's part of the law. Both of them are supposed to be stoned. I'm pretty sure you don't do adultery by yourself. So what we can infer, infer from this is that the teachers of the law actually set this woman up. They had someone seduce her, and they promised the guy that he would have no repercussions if he did this because it would help them get rid of Jesus. Now, Jesus knows the law. He doesn't like or defend adultery. But he can also tell that something fishy is going on, and this woman is going to be a victim of injustice if he doesn't find a way to fix it. What he does, and what other lawmakers and judges do, is look at the spirit of the law. In other words, what was this law trying to do? What is the spirit or goal behind this law? What are the values and big picture purposes that inform why this law is here in the first place? Jesus knows that God loves God's creations and that this law, like all of them, was made to protect God's creations. It was not made so that people in authority could use it to harm others for their own gains. You know how this story ends. Jesus acknowledged, he acknowledges the law of Moses. And he tells anyone who has never sinned to go ahead and stone her. And they all walk away. Because the law exists to protect the heart, not the other way around. To be clear, am I saying that God should change the Ten Commandments because God did not have the foresight, the foresight to think that people could use the law poorly? No. I'll quote the Psalms here. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And what I mean by that is that God created law. Big picture L, big capital letter L-A-W, law. Not the law or individual laws, but the idea of law in the first place. And the fact that law exists to protect, that is perfect. This is my favorite statue of Lady Justice, by the way. God created the idea of justice, that things could be made right. And I used the King James Version here because it says converting the soul. God's law is given to reteach the people and convert them away from a fear-based, violent, selfish, scarcity culture to a compassionate, generous, selfless culture that would ensure that people could thrive. Those are the ways of God. Sure, people will find a way to misuse anything. That's what we do. We're like toddlers and puppies. But just because we copy God's ways imperfectly doesn't mean that God's ways 
Perfect. So the law exists to protect the heart, not the other way around. The law exists for people, not people for the law. In a later gospel story, we see that the Pharisees followed the law to the letter, outwardly. But Jesus points out that even if you simply hate someone in your head and you've murdered them in your heart, he's letting them know that when God gave the law, it wasn't so the law could be followed. It was so people could be cared for and safe. The law is here to help people, just like food is here to help people. If the law or the food no longer serves to help people, then you change it so that it does. God would rather have broken laws than broken people. So back to the midwives and Moses' sister. Does God like lying and deception? No. God knows that things like deception, bitterness, covetousness, rage, slander, and malice will ruin the human heart. But is God concerned about the slippery slope, about the lies the midwives told? Apparently not. The Bible tells a lot of stories without explaining what God thinks of what happened. But this story is one of the few that actually gives a value judgment. And it's not the one that we'd expect. God blesses the midwives for their deception. Why? There's a difference between a heart that deceives others for pleasure and personal gain, and a heart that chooses to deceive a murderer in order to prevent the massacre of infants. The verb is the same. They're deceiving. But have they become deceitful people? Or have they become saviors? Did Moses' sister create more evil in the world by deceiving the princess? Or did she find a clever way to save her brother, comfort her mother, and help keep their family alive in the midst of slavery? Lastly, what brings this home is what Jesus said about himself concerning the law. He does, he does create a new covenant with the world through his death and resurrection. And often we take that to mean that we can just throw out the laws of Moses. There are some pretty, ones, pretty weird ones in there, I will be honest. But Jesus also says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. On first glance, that sounds like we'd better get back to the laws of Moses and get memorizing. But what Jesus is talking about is the spirit of the law. Law, capital L, as God created it in the first place. The thing that protects people. The Pharisees knew every line, every rule, perfectly. But they did not let it convert their hearts toward protecting people. They used it to prove how much better they were than others. To gain position and power over others. But the laws of God, the ways of God, will be here until the end of time. If I had the kids in here, I would have them uh, recite these. They have them memorized. I'm very proud of them. Love, joy, peace, and patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness faithfulness, and self-control. These are the ways God is. These are God's laws. Let them convert you, and you will see heaven in your own life, even now. So here's what we just established. Was it okay for the midwives to deceive Pharaoh in order to save babies? Yeah, probably. Was it okay to try and assassinate Hitler to end the Holocaust? That one's harder. Because the law values every life and does not promote violence, but it does promote justice. These questions are difficult because they are not black and white. They are varying shades of gray. It's much easier to go black and white, especially on issues of morality, to make the law and follow it to the letter every single time. But even God seems to argue against that. We choose black and white over gray in order to prevent mistakes. Because if we never make mistakes, then we never have to feel awkward or ashamed. We never have to ask for forgiveness or give grace and mercy to those we think don't deserve it. But God is more concerned with the heart than the law. So we must learn to handle the gray and rely on things like critical thinking and wisdom and community counsel, and yes, even grace when we get it wrong. So how's your heart doing? Kyle, if you go to the last, my son, I have a little reflection, it's just a heart check. Where do you feel hardness in your heart towards certain people or ideas? 
What would the spirit of the law say about those people or ideas? And what keeps you from knowing that God sees you through the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law? To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.